everybody happy that it's almost Christmas? Where'd y'all grow up, man? Come on. Listen, where I'm from, Christmas time was the best time of the year. And it still is for me, okay? I'm like a little kid at Christmas. But uh, before we get to that part, let me just say I- I'm so excited that you're here. Uh, my name is Michael Page. If you don't know me, I'm the campus pastor here at this church. Uh, if it's your first tea, what God is doing in our church. Uh, you hear um, what Meredith said. It could not be more true. Uh, go see what God is doing in our church at the Next Steps table. See how you can get plugged in because I promise you everything we do here is to connect every single soul that's in this room to a growing relationship with Jesus. And we believe that's best done in community. We believe that's best done alongside of other people. Okay, so now that we got that out of the way, I am beyond excited that we get to uh, celebrate Christmas for the first time as a church. Isn't that pretty awesome? Y'all get, get fired up in here this morning. We got three people we're going to be talking to this morning. So here we go. All right, before we get too far on that, I just need to, I want to do kind of a, a pass or fail kind of survey. Is that okay? I know somebody got nervous when I said pass or fail because it brings back memories of high school. But listen, um, a pass or fail type survey. Okay, so who in here this morning, um, they're here this morning that, is, that will admit it. Um, who's in here a fan of Christmas music slash Christmas carols? Anybody? Wow, that's a lot of people. That's awesome. Um, okay. Who in here is not? All right, we got a few Scrooges. That's good. All right, cool. So, you know, listen, my wife, she hates Christmas music, Christmas carols, uh, but I love them. I love Christmas music. I love Christmas carols. So what do I do? I sing them all the time during Christmas a lot, out, out loud and in the shower. I listen to them all the time. But listen, but this is what I've learned as I, as I sing these Christmas carols and I, and I listen to Christmas music. I, I've learned that a large number of Christmas carols don't make a lot of sense. Does that make sense? You know, you know what I'm saying? They don't make much sense. Like, for instance, listen to this. We wish you a Merry Christmas, right? You know, the second verse of that song says, now bring us some figgy pudding. What is that? What's figgy pudding? You know, listen. And then the next verse says, we won't leave until we get some. Guys, this is weird. It's strange. Why would we sing that, you know? But first, if your friends, if your friends are, are, are wanting some figgy pudding at Christmas time, they're, they're weird. Or British, one or the other. A second, if they, if they say they're not going to leave until they get some, they're probably breaking the law, and you probably shouldn't have those kind of friends. So just giving you some advice on that. Well, how about the other one is, is one I heard this week that really disturbed me a little bit. Is I saw Mommy kissing Santa Claus. Like, what is up with that, dude? Like, that's like, that's like the creepy. If you look at the lyrics, it's the creepiest song ever. Santa wouldn't get to the next house if it was my house. So um, as I was thinking, and I was, as I was praying through this week's message, you know, I thought it would be really cool to take a few minutes to walk through Scripture, obviously, Luke 2, I want to read through Luke 2, where we're going to be looking at the story of Jesus this morning, his birth. But also, I want to take a few seconds and, and, and correspond one of the greatest Christmas songs in my life is Heart the Herald Angels Sing, because I love the lyrics of it, because it walks through the story of Jesus' birth. Isn't that cool? So I want, to, I want to walk through some of that together with us. Uh, I'm going to have uh, just a random person come up here and sing it in a second, so be ready. And no worries, I'm just kidding. Um, but we're going to be looking through um, Luke chapter 2, and nowhere in Scripture, the whole of Scripture, do I see anywhere um, just the entirety of Scripture intersect at one location like I see in Luke 2. Um, you see, we see prophecies of the Old Testament coming, coming to pass. We see a Savior born uh, humbly as a baby, and we see the tangible door of eternity swinging wide open for all people to be able to experience the great and glory, the greatness and the glory and the mercy of God. Isn't it really awesome time to be alive in this moment to be able to share this together? So as we pray, 
let, just calm your hearts down. Let's, let's really get into the moment here as we read Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 18. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to jump right in. So, Father God, we love you. We thank you for uh, this season. We thank you for um, allowing us to be here this morning to worship together as a family. Father, I pray that you would come and speak to us in the story. Come and speak to us through the each verse. God, I pray that you would soften our hearts to the word. You would soften our hearts to what you're trying to do in our lives, God, and you would not let us leave here the same. Lord, we love you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. And so as we walk through this passage um, in a second, I'm gonna, I want to start in Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 8, and we're going to read through verse 18. So if you want to follow along, it'll be on the screen, or if you have your Bible, which I hope you do, you can look there. So it says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This is the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with an angel, with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And as I think through this passage, as I, as I walk through that this week, and then I start to hear the famous old, old song lyrics of Heart the Herald Angels Sing, ringing in our minds, it starts to paint a pretty unique picture of what that night felt like. And if you ever heard that song, Hark, the Herald Angels Sing, the first word being Hark, it's a pretty old word that doesn't mean much to us anymore, but what it means is it means to listen. Listen to this. Listen to what's happening. And, he's, and what's happening is the writer of this song is putting his words into the mouth of a shepherd, in the mouth of a shepherd that had seen angels and heard what news that has ever been told. Hearing his message by saying, listen to what I'm about to say because it's the most important news that has ever been told. It's time to listen up. And so as he was saying, it's, it's, it's very unique. And, and think about this. As he's putting this in the mouth of this shepherd, the shepherds were the only ones to actually see the angel. The, the shepherds were the people who carried the message given, to the, given by the angels. And, and, and as I put myself in that position as a shepherd in the, in the, in the, in the, out in the pastures, as I put myself in their shoes on that amazing night, I become overwhelmed by three things that I want to share with you this morning, which I think that will give us the, the secret to, the, to understanding what the true meaning of Christmas really is about. And the first thing I noticed was God sent the angels to shepherds. God sent the angels to shepherds. And to us, we think about nativity scenes. We think about the Christmas story. We have nativities on our, on our counters at home. And we think about shepherds. They're just shepherds. You know, that's what they are. It's part of Christmas. But from a worldly, view, a worldly point of view, the shepherds were the least likely people on the entire planet to receive an angelic message about the birth of a king, about the birth of a savior. Shepherds occupied the lowest class in the Jewish society. They were, they were usually uneducated and they were illiterate. Um, shepherding was a job that was given to children most of the time. If an adult was still a shepherd, that was a total life failure for that person. And so this morning, I want you to see, like, even in a Jewish court, 
Back in the day, in a Jewish court, a, a shepherd's testimony was not even accepted in those moments. They didn't even accept it as valid. And what I want you to hear is that, and, and that is the very reason why I believe God sent the angels to shepherds. And that's why it's so important for us, because while Christmas time is so joyful and for a lot of people, and all calm and all bright for a lot of people, and for others, it reminds us that how disappointed they are in life. And I think this morning that may be some people in here. It makes some of us in this room, in our community, outside these walls, feel very alone. For me, I was extremely blessed with a large family that had Christmas every year in, in two different locations, and it was just such a unique thing. And it wasn't until I started in ministry, I started understanding that all people are not equally as blessed in that way. Some people are very alone. Or maybe it reminds, reminds you of, of someone you've lost in your life that's, that's not here anymore. Maybe it's a, a husband, a, a father, a mother, a wife, a child, a friend. Or maybe, this, you know, this, this might be for me too, maybe you, forget, maybe you forget every year how dysfunctional your family truly is until the biggest goal over the years, kind of how my family is, I guess. But for some of you, let's really be honest for a second. The biggest goal over these next few days is for the, is for the police not to get called to your house. Right? So, that, I mean, let's be honest. And I heard one guy one time say, one of my friends said, his, one of his biggest dreams, once he knows that he's saying he's happy, is having a large, very close-knit family who all live in another city. Right? So we can kind of come visit, right? And so, but maybe this, maybe this Christmas finds you, well, it might be jobless. It might be worried about the future or, or concerned about your kids or your marriages in shambles or, or you, you're not married and there's not many marriage prospects or you, you don't know what God's doing in your life. You, there's all kind of questions of, of what's coming. And these shepherds came into the first Christmas not feeling like their lives were awesome. They were like, this, this is this, well, we're just, we're shoveling poop and washing sheep and we're shearing sheep and we're, this is about it, guys. You know, you are the ones, people who are going through struggles are the ones, people who are the least of his, which is us here this morning, who are lost, who are, who are sinners. We're the ones that the angels most wanted to give the message of Christmas to. They came with the message of hope, of peace, of all things being made new. Isn't that good news? That's the news of the gospel. And the next thing, the second thing uh, that overwhelmed me as I was reading this is I put myself in that pasture that night. The second thing is the shepherds must have been, right? Like, why is all, all this for this? Like, what is happening? Like, they didn't understand. You know, think about this. The angels, what did they say? Glory to God in the what? Glory to God in the highest. Now, we overlook, like, you look in Scripture, I'm not sure if you're like me, but sometimes in Scripture, you're reading through Scripture, you're reading through Scripture. Sometimes it, you just overlook words, right? We just kind of look past words very easily. But what I want you to see this morning is that this phrase means God deserves the greatest praise. Is that what they're saying? God deserves the greatest praise for the birth of this baby. And I, that, doesn't, that, doesn't, that doesn't add up sometimes in, in my head or the shepherd's heads, I'm sure. The greatest praise praise, which is pretty remarkable if you think about who's saying glory to God in the highest. The angels. The angels who were there when God created the world, when God created the universe, the stars, whenever he said, let there be light, and all of a sudden light flooded in. Whenever he created man, and man breathed, lung, breathed breath in the lungs of man. Like, glory to God in the highest in this moment when the baby was born, when Jesus was born. They saw incredible formations of, of galaxies. 
And I, if you're like me, I love looking, I love looking at pictures of space and, and hearing the different um, things about the, the outer, outer space and the distant galaxies and planets and stars and, and all the facts about our sun and our, our solar system. Three million, that, that there are a total of about, listen, it's going to blow your mind, three million trillion stars that exist. Anybody count that high? Not me. Just to give you some context, that's, that's three with 24 zeros behind it. That's big. Is anybody awake here this morning? That's a, lot of, that's a lot of stars, man. That's a lot. And after a while, numbers like that, they start kind of losing their meaning. A million, a billion, a trillion. It all kind of sounds the same, right? It's just kind of like that's just a big number, right? It kind of it loses its meaning. So what I want you to, I want to kind of help you out this morning uh, for a second. If you think about this, uh, you know, one million, one million seconds ago was two weeks ago. Well, about a week and four days, to be honest. Uh, a billion seconds, a billion, that was a million, a billion seconds would be April 13th, 1986 ago. Pretty cool, right? That was amazing. Okay, look it up. It's pretty cool. In 1986, the very first CD player was introduced, right, to the market. And the, and the Jedi had returned for the first time. Like, that's a long time ago. And listen, that was a long time ago. You know, that, was, that was way, way, way gone. A billion seconds was 32 years ago. And how many of y'all in this room aren't even a billion seconds yet? A billion seconds. Y'all aren't even a billion seconds old yet. Think about that. That's amazing. Somebody are like, yo, shut up, Michael. So listen, but listen, a trillion, a trillion seconds ago. So a billion seconds was 32 years ago. A trillion seconds, you might want to guess. Okay, I'll just tell you. It's 31,688 years ago. Put those numbers in context. Compare that. A million seconds, 11 days. A trillion seconds, 32,000 years. That's, big, that's a big deal. The universe, scientists says they are 3 million trillion stars. The sun, which is just one of those 3 trillion Three million trillion stars, and it's not even a very big one. And it puts out the same amount of energy as a trillion megaton bombs. Wow, Michael. That's amazing. It's amazing, man. Like, think about how big our God is, and that's enough energy. Think about this, to put it in context. That's enough energy to run all of civilization on earth for 500,000 years. Given off every second. Every second, not given off in a year, every second that much energy has been given off. And these angels, they had seen all of that, but that's not what they got, what they gave God glory in the highest for. It was this baby that was being born in Bethlehem. How amazing is that? That's amazing. There's something to be said about that. That's why the song continues. It says, Veiled and to dwell, Jesus held the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. The greatest glory that God has ever displayed was his decision to come and die for sinners, right? To come and to live among us and take our place, that is the gospel. And that is what's amazing about Christmas because the angels were amazed to see him put a baby, himself in a baby, and be born in a stable for us, for us, for who we are. And God knew, he knew that each one of you in these seats this morning were sinners, right? Everybody here is a sinner, right? Okay, good. We're all sinners. Listen, God knew we were full of selfish desires. Is anybody prideful or selfish in here? Ten out of ten people in this room are selfish. 
It is. That's the way it works. Listen, that's, that's the sin inside of us. We're deceitful, and God knew that. Because of that, we're doing, and we could do nothing more, we could do nothing more than to, to de- de- depend on him for our salvation. And because of that, we have committed cosmic treason. We have turned our back on Jesus and committed cosmic treason, and we need a Savior. And he sent his one and only son to stand in that gap for you and I, and that does not make sense because someone who can create three million trillion stars, the glory of the earth, the glory of the planets, the glory of space, the glory of all things created, it says in 1 Peter 1, doesn't make sense to them. What is happening? Man? What are you doing, you God? What are you doing? And this is saying that angels are amazed by the gospel and long to look more deeply into these things. If you think about that for a second, the angels who saw God create the universe and see the literal glory of God every day who were in his presence every day long to look more deeply into the wonder of the gospel. The gospel. The gospel. Does that, does that tell us something this morning that we may not understand the gospel? Right, we don't have a, a proper view of the gospel. If this, if this is what the angels are seeing and they're amazed, us as humans, are, are we not amazed by what God has done in a baby named Jesus? Are we? And if we're not, what does that say about where we are in our faith? This morning, the, the psalm continues, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. The angels had seen God, his, his power to create with a word, three million trillion stars. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Let there be light. Three million trillion stars in existence all of a sudden by a word. That's the God we serve. That's the God we either serve or turn our backs on. I want to serve that God. I don't want to turn my back on that God, right? They were more, they were more amazed. Go ahead. God, we agree on that. Because listen, but they were more, they were more amazed by the, at the mercy Jesus showed rebellious sinners and God's power to heal and redeem those sinners. Greater than the power of our son is God's power to put your life back together when, it's, when you've made a mess of it. That's what's awesome about my Jesus. It says Jesus laying aside his rights as a king. Jesus laying his rights aside as a king, the king of all creation, to come to earth with the purpose of dying a criminal's death in my place and in your place. Hallelujah. That's the message of Christmas. Because guess what? Without the cradle, without the manger, there would have been no cross. Do you see that? This morning, that's why we celebrate Christmas, and that's why I love it so much. The gospel is what it's about. The the song continues. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that men no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. That's what we want to be born again. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That's what it's about. If anyone here has not been made new, then it means you are not saved. That's what it means, what Scripture says. It says, come to him. The gospel is that you and I, us, as a family, were doomed. We were doomed to die. But Jesus came to make a way for us to be saved, to be made new, to be who we were created to be. And you see, underneath all of our religious and good and moral makeup, 
all the stuff we put on, the mask we put on, we're really just rebellious sinners, hopeless without Christ. I don't care how many jackets I put on up here to come up here and preach each week. I don't care how, what we look at during the week. How, we are all trying to get by with, 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 we are sinners, guys, and we need Jesus to make us new. And that may sound harsh, but if you would be honest with yourself for a second, look deep down into your heart, deep down, haven't we all assumed at some point, despite the scissors we made or either outright just saying it, that we know best, we know how to run our lives better than God? At some point in your life, we've done that. Uh, we all have. Haven't we preferred to, to make ourselves the focus and the center of our lives and thought that, that, that our will ought to trump God's will? At some point, we have made those decisions. And what you call that, that's what we call moral insanity or cosmic treason. And the penalty for that cosmic treason in God's eyes, because God is just, cosmic treason is death and completely loving. But the, 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 the penalty for that cosmic treason is death. It's death. In our sin, we are traitors to the crown. We're traitors to Jesus. We're traitors to the crown of God. And I know it's popular today to see ourselves as basically good people. I'm a good person. I have some blind spots and I have some weaknesses. Or I'm a, I have some misunderstood, uh, you know, hidden potential here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this ship around eventually. But that's not what the Bible says. And if, if you're going to live by this, we can't say those things. Because it says that we're traitors to God under the rightful curse of death. And there are only two ways that that curse can be reversed or resolved. We can either suffer it eternally ourselves. We can just be like, all right, I got this. I'm going to suffer it eternally. Which means we're separated from God forever in a place called hell. Number two, we can trust Jesus and his love absorbed it in our place. And guess what? It's free. It's free. It's free. That was the cross. That was the cross. Jesus dying, absorbing the curse in my place. The birth of Jesus was always pointing to the cross. He was born to die. He was born so that we could live. The manger and the cross go hand in hand. And we like to separate these two things sometimes. Here's Easter. Here's Christmas. I'm wearing my suit on this day. My suit on this day, we're good the rest of the year. You know, we like to separate those things, but they're of equal in place of the created. And the angels can't understand that. They can't. God, you are the deity of all things. You're above all things. You're the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Why would you go down and die for those people? I don't get it. The song continues. Mild he lays his glory by. He lays his glory by. Born that men no more may die. And I know it's popular today in our culture to say that whatever way you want to follow God is okay. You want to follow God this way? You're good. You want to follow God that way? You're good. You know, God's like a mountain. There's many ways to the top. But guess what? That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. People have their truth, and it's politically incorrect to say anything else. Do you see how our culture is going? If, if, you, if you stand on truth, you're politically incorrect. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, Acts 4.12, Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else. Salvation is found in no one else, and there is no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. That means Jesus is the only way, period. Jesus said it himself, John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me, self. 
You can save yourself. Just be good. Every religion in the world teaches you have, you can save yourself. You can save yourself. Just be good enough. If you're good enough, you do, a, do enough religious uh, uh, you know, rituals or, or observations, you'll be saved. But Jesus taught, Jesus taught we couldn't save ourselves, so he did it for us. Uh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, all we have to do is receive him, trust him, put our hope, our life, our obedience on the table and say, yes, Lord, I'll trust you. I'm trusting you for salvation. Now, what do you want me to do for you? Because you've done so much for me. And the things we do are no longer to get saved. It's out of a response for being saved. That's what it's about. And that is the mess. That is not the same message that we that we're that's in our culture today. And I and I see it like this. And you can this is a good analogy if you if you if you're good with like imagery. If I can't swim, which I can, if I can't swim, and you're on the boat deck and you have a lifesaver, and I'm sitting there drowning, and you have a lifesaver or an anvil. Everybody know what an anvil is? Okay. A lifesaver or an anvil, and you say, hey, which one do you want? Right? Which, which, which one do you want? And, you know, I'm, and, I, and I say, it doesn't matter which one you throw me, just throw me one. But that's stupid. That's crazy because it does matter. It makes a big difference because if I catch the anvil, guess what? I'm going to the bottom faster. But if I catch a life jacket, it's going to save my life. Religion says try harder, be better. Jesus' message is saying, I did it for you. I did what you could never do, receive it as a gift. Now go and live your life for me. And so the shepherds say, hark, this is your lifestyle. This is your lifesaver. This is what it's about. And I want to show you a story of a guy who was going through the same thing that, that, that I'm, I'm sharing with you right now. But I want, you, I want to share his story with you. So just watch this for a second. You know, through all those years of the partying and the drugs, alcohol, the, just the fast lifestyle of running, you know, running from life, it never once dawned on me that it would carry me to the depth that it did. Um, growing up in South Georgia, uh, it's about like everybody else's story. From what I could tell, I had a normal childhood. I played every sport that I could that came around. I guess it was, you know, probably around the age of eight that I realized that my dad was an alcoholic. You know, I, I saw things in him. I remember times of playing football. One person that was always in the stands was my mom. Uh, she run every touchdown with me that I ran. And when I got to the age of 16, um, of years of watching my mom put up with a lot, I told her one night it was time for me and her to leave. My parents got a divorce after that. My dad had come and caused a few problems, and me and him had really got on the outs, and I didn't have any respect for him. Um, I had thought I was grown, and I'd started not listening to my mom. I was 17 years old. It was my senior year of high school. And uh, this whole time, you know, I'd lost respect for my dad. And um, But my truck, I was having problems with the truck I was driving. And my dad had taught me everything I knew about vehicles. So I went by for him to help me. And, I, and for some reason, I noticed a change in him. He wasn't drunk. He wasn't high. He wasn't anything. And, and he helped me work on my truck that day. 
and it was a, a man that I, had, as far as I knew, had never met before. When I was leaving, I said, Daddy, I love you. He said, I love you too, son. And that was the last time I ever spoke to him. I didn't know four days later that I would find him dead. Me, I shut off from crushed me. Um, that really crushed me. I shut off from the world after that, and thought I knew best for me. Um, I fell into addiction really deep. Didn't know it was addiction at the time. I just knew that alcohol and coke and partying and girls and racing and whatever kept my mind off the pain. This rocked on till I was 36 years old. You know, back right after I found my dad dead, my mom had met a guy, um, which is my stepdad today. They got married about my senior year. And reflecting back on it, um, I could see that he was the dad that I'd prayed for my whole life. After finding my dad, I lost all feeling for anyone. Um, it's like I couldn't love anybody. And if it got close to me, I'd do something to self-destruct and push him away. And through some mutual friends, I met Lindsay. Um, and we started dating. And she was not living for the Lord at the time, and I wasn't either. We were both drinking and partying, uh, just enjoying life, thought we were. And after a while of dating, she got pregnant. Oh, of me continue to drink and party, and, but I didn't. Uh, and after a while of me continue to drink and party and this and that, she gave me basically an ultimatum and said either, you know, change or get out. And I chose to get out and run for my responsibilities. So on July 3rd, 2015, I got arrested and carried into jail for uh, DUI and possession. I sent word down to our sheriff, uh, you know, asking him to help me. And he sent word back to me that he had helped me all my life, that this time he was gonna teach me a lesson. The, the only way that I was getting through jail, period, was I, somebody brought me a Bible and an AA book, not knowing it, but at the whole time this was in God's plan. And so I get sent to RSAT. I spent four and a half months in the county jail. And the longer I was in there and the more I sobered up, the more feelings started coming back. Um, the more <laughs> I prayed, I was scared to death. I really was. And I knew I had screwed up with Lindsay. How could this lady ever forgive me? How could my parents ever forgive me? As these feelings started coming back in jail, and as I started getting closer to God and I started praying and I started searching and I started asking God, if you will help me to not be the man that I said I would never, you know, that I would never be, I'm him and I need your help. Lord, I, you know, whatever your will is, let it be done. And the judge sentenced me to nine and a half more months or set. In total, I was locked up for 14 and a half months. Lindsay was still, her, she was hurt, I hurt her bad. I found out that she had had a little girl, but my, my daughter was born while I was locked up. And that's something I'll never be able to give back to her. It 
it's something that hurts me today. And that night in jail when I found out my child was born and I wasn't there, um, I promised God if he would help me make me the man he wanted me to be, <laughs> that I'd never turn back to uh, my worldly ways. The sheriff was nice enough to let Lindsay bring, bring her for me to see her. And the first time I got to see her was through the plexiglass window. But that gave me more drive. God gave me that little bit while I was in jail to say this is what you've got to look forward to when you get out. After that, I started writing Lindsay and I started calling her. And Lindsay had started going to Connection Church during this time. God laid it on her heart to forgive me. And it, it was just amazing how God was starting to work in our life, in my life and me being locked up. But God kept telling me, I've got you. You know, you keep living for me and I'll take care of the rest. I'd gotten out of jail on August 25th, 2016, and Lindsay and my daughter Adley and my parents were there to pick me up. Um, and walking out of that boot camp that day, I, I could feel God's hand on me and my family. And from that day forward, me and Lindsay started dating. Through a lot of trials, um, I started going to Connection Church. God got me and Lindsay in the small group and uh, got us into some counseling with Billy. Through God's grace, God's grace, and, you know, courage and strength to ask Lindsay to marry me. Through his grace and through him giving her a forgiving heart, she said yes. God gave me and Lindsay a beautiful wedding. We have been blessed beyond belief. Thank God he's forgiven God. And uh, I thank God today for where he's got me at and where he's carried me and the opportunities he's given me to help other people. Um, I've got with my, with my testimony and with my life, I've been able to help a lot of people um, and will be able to hopefully continue to help other people. You know, and God don't call me to be perfect. He just calls me to be faithful. What a great story of redemption, man, and forgiveness and love and uh, just uh, a broken person becoming an instrument of God's redemption. Isn't that awesome? And the thing is, is God wants to do that with every single person in this room. Same thing. The last point I have about the shepherds is they're amazed that they were the ones chosen to announce the message to other people. And you know what? As a pastor, I always, and I was having a conversation this week. I have a list of people in my life that I pray to be real. All right, we'll sound bad, but we're, 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 you know, we're, we're close, right? We can be real? All right, cool. I have some people in my life that I sometimes I pray don't walk in these doors because they knew me before I was a pastor. And so I'm like, I, you know, so listen, I'm amazed that I get to do what, what I get to do each week. We should be amazed 
that we get to do, what we get to do each week, each day, each time we're out sharing the love of Jesus to people, man. Think about this. The only ones who got to see the angels on that night were the shepherds, the people who were uneducated, didn't know how to write, and were looked down on by society. Everyone else had to hear their announcement through the shepherd. Isn't that awesome? God used the least of these to bring his message to the world. The shepherds got to see the glory, the songs, the angels, and everybody else got to hang out with some smelly, barely literate shepherds to hear the message of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? God loves us, man. The shepherds were the ones, and, and honestly, that may disappoint some of us. Most of us would probably prefer the angels. I would. I mean, show me the angels. Wow, man. I just, listen, this is a very important thing you need to learn about God throughout Scripture. Throughout this book, God's primary way of speaking to people is through broken and flawed instruments through shepherds, through us, through me, through you. Listen, just because the messenger is flawed doesn't mean the message is flawed. This message is perfect. God chooses as his primary instrument of administration shepherds, people who've been lost, hurt, just broken down. So the message to you from these shepherds and from me and from the person who may have invited you this morning is to hark. To listen. Listen. God has been pursuing you. God's been speaking to you, whether you've listened or heard it or not, trying to wake you up, trying to draw you back to himself since the day that you walked away. God's been moving in your life. And I want to ask you just for a second before we leave this morning, would you just stop for a second? I know our, our plates are full. We're so busy. We have grandparents coming in town. We're going to grandparents' houses. We're having Christmas dinner and breakfast and opening gifts and having kids at the house. And it's going to be wild and crazy and awesome. But just stop for a second and listen and consider two questions. What is God doing in your heart this morning? What is God doing in your heart this morning? For, for you who's a believer or a Christian here, have you, have you strayed off the path? Have you walked away? Or for you who has never turned your life over to Jesus before. Are you, are you, is your heart hardened? Is there bitterness there? Are, are you saying, no, man, forget that, man. I, I tried dying to do in your heart. And what's he saying? What's he saying? Have you known for a while that you've needed to make this decision to follow Jesus, to, to surrender to Jesus, but you've just been putting it off saying, yeah, next week, next week, next week, next month, next year, when I get my life straight, I'll turn my life over to Jesus. Well, let me just go ahead and reassure you of something. You're never going to get your life straight. Okay? That won't happen. Somebody told me one time, if you wait to get ready to, before you get married, you're never going to get married because you ain't never going to be ready. If you wait to get ready before you have kids, you ain't never going to have kids because you ain't going to be ready. Listen, this is a decision you make because you see a need in your heart. If you haven't seen the sin in your heart after this morning, listen, open your eyes because there's sin in each one of our hearts that need to be turned over to Jesus. Or have you been playing games with your faith, saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but on the weekends I'm living like I'm not, or, and not giving your first and your best, but you know today is a turning point. Because listen, I, I want to end the day by showing you that all people on earth, all people on earth have, have three reactions when it comes to Jesus. Every single person. And you, look, you can look at it in the Christmas story between the wise men, the shepherds, and all these things. But listen, the first response, the first reaction when they're met with Jesus is joy. Joy. A life redefining, redefining joy, a, a, a joy that changes your life. There's a, one's based off your circumstance and being, being happy 
and joy, right? There's, there's a difference in that, okay? One's, one's based off your circumstances, okay? And basically, listen, these wise men, these shepherds, they got on their knees before a baby saying that with all of their wisdom and, and worthiness and, and all their riches and, and, and accolades, you know, they had seen this great light of glory of God shining over the manger and they were given gold and they were given praises because they saw who Jesus really was. It was in, their hearts were awakened to who he was. And they knew he was, he was worthy of all praise, the highest praise. The one who spoke three million trillion stars into existence was worthy of our praise. Isn't he worthy of our praise still today? He is. He is. The second thing is like Herod. The second reaction, hostility. Herod was, Herod was met with hostility. He heard a new king was coming. So Herod saw him as a threat to his throne. And he was, and, you know, he was a threat to Herod's throne. And he's a threat to our throne. That's why we get on a knee and bow before him and say, glory to God in the highest. Lord, you are great. I am not. In every heart, there is a throne or there's a cross. Every heart in this room, there's a throne that you are trying to sit on or a cross is indifferent to Jesus and say, Lord, it's you. And number three is indifference. The religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, why didn't they go to the stable? Why didn't they go to the manger? Why didn't they go? For religious leaders, for the religious, Jesus was not instrumental in their plans of, of, of riches and, and fame and glory and, and deceiving people. They were not looking for a Lord. They saw no need for a Messiah because they were already saved by their works. They didn't have much sin anyway, right? That's what they thought. Later, when you, when you pressed when you pressed on it, when, when he demanded, whenever Jesus demanded that he be Lord, when he exposed them to their need for grace, their indifference turned to hostility. And the same scribes and Pharisees who were indifferent to Jesus in Matthew chapter 2 are the ones who were shouting crucify in 20 chapters later. And C.S. Lewis, Lewis says it best. He says, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. If it's false, it doesn't make a difference. It's of no importance. But if it's true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. And this morning as we're discussing the gospel, we're discussing the, the birth of Christ. We're discussing the eternal things of, of the Lord, of Jesus. You can't ride a fence. You must choose who you're going to serve. And the gospel is this, is that Jesus brought you here. God brought you here. This is not a just a coincidence that you're sitting in the seats this morning to hear this message this morning. And what is your reaction going to be? Is it going to be joy? Jesus, I see you for the first time in my life. I know the need that I have for you. Lord, I want to follow you. I need to get my life back on track with you, Jesus. I need to, to have that same drive that I once had, or I need to surrender my life. Is it hostility? This gets in my way. This gets in, my, this gets in the way of my life. This gets in the way of my plans. This gets in the way of what I want to do. I want to be my own Lord. I make my own decisions. Or is it indifferent? This don't matter. I got lunch waiting me on the house. I got my job to go back to Monday. You know, whatever. What's going to happen in 75 years? 80 years? What's going to happen? Listen, God has declared Jesus Lord. My question to you this morning, have you surrendered your life to him? God has, has declared Jesus Savior. Have you received that gift this morning? And my, my question is, what better day 
than today on Christmas to turn your life over to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? What a testimony. What a testimony you can tell someone one day, I gave my life to Christ. We'll just call it Christmas. We're close enough, okay? I gave my life to Christ on Christmas. It's amazing. He'll give you a new identity. The things you've been trying to fill your life with to feel important, he'll give you a new thing. So this morning, I want to give you an opportunity. If you've been walking in your life so for so long, and you've, you know there's something missing, you know there's a, there's a hole in your heart that needs to be filled with Jesus, and he's the only one that can fill that up because you've tried everything else. If you know that's you this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to be bold because we're here at Connection, what we like to do, we like to applaud and get fired up and cheer and, and just and, and come alongside of you and walk with you as you make that decision and pray with you and not just see, see, say see you later, but we want to come alongside of you and get you in a connect group, walk alongside of you on a day-to-day basis and walk with you and not just say, hey, good job, see you later. We're a church as a family. We want to walk along together with each other in that. So if that's you this morning, you know that you need Christ this morning. You know that you need Jesus. You know you need that in your life. I want to ask you to raise your hand, and I want to pray with you. Is that anybody this morning? Be bold. If it's you, I'll give you a, a, a telltale sign. It, your heart's racing right now, and your, your, your breath's kind of, <laughs> you know, that's, that's probably you, okay? So if that's you this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity. Is that anybody here this morning? As I was praying this morning, I knew somebody here this morning needs this. Anybody? Okay. All right, as we leave here today, as we leave here today, and all of us are apparently Christian, listen, please, in our church, in our community, don't let this season slip by. Take hold to what God's doing in our church, in our community, and in your life. Because, man, it's so awesome what's happening in our church. It's so awesome what's happening in people's lives in this room. Like, God is literally changing people. It's so cool to watch. So, do we have, do we have fun? We don't, okay, never mind. Um, so, I just want to pray for us. And as we leave, uh, just, just go with a, a sense of awe and wonder of what Jesus has done on the cross. But a sense and awe of wonder of what Jesus did in the manger how he was born of a virgin, how he was, it's just an amazing story. So, God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the manger and the cross. God, I thank you for the gospel, for making a way when there was no way. God, I pray for the person here this morning that does not know you. I pray that their heart would be burdened, Father, until they surrender their lives to you, Father. I pray that you would just love them and gently pursue them, Father, and gently um, just turn their life towards you, Lord. I, I pray for just uh, changed hearts. I pray for changed lives, and I pray for just a great Christmas, God. I pray for these families in here that we have a safe and just a uh, a blessing-filled Christmas uh, this season. Lord, we just love you, and it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Have a great Christmas.